When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and welcome to our Week 7 Preview Show. I'm accompanied, like I always am, with my co-host, Nicholas Moriano, and the two of us, we're ready to rock and roll as we break down, or will break down, everything you need to know before kickoff on Sunday against the New Orleans Saints. Nick, how's your week been? Uh, It's been pretty good so far. Busy, as usual, with grad school work and everything, but you yourself are having a pretty busy time, so... We're just in the grind of things, not like the Bears are coming off this bye week. Yeah, did you enjoy your bye week? I know I enjoyed some time to take a breath and reset. Yeah, I, I did. Um, still constantly working, but it's nice just not having to worry about the Bears, whether they lost or won or, you know, all the... We saw everything come out this week on the Bears, who they should get as the new quarter. Like, we saw everything in this past bye week. I'm glad that actual football is back so we can just talk about the team and not speculate down the road what the Bears could or couldn't do. Yeah, exactly. It's time to kind of get back to action. And let's go ahead, Nick. Let's dive on in. And I want to have a change up this week because it's been a few weeks or a couple of weeks since we've had a preview. So let's start with the Bears defense. And I'm sure Nick now needs to flip his notes around, which is exactly why I did that. But let's begin with the news. Uh, defensive lineman, Akeem Hicks, he's officially on IR for his elbow injury. And even though it uh, does appear that he could potentially return at the tail end of this season. They're still going to be around an eight-week window before that may happen. So, Nick, I want to know, what's the impact of Akeem Hicks heading to IR? Obviously, the Bears are losing a big-time leader on that defense, someone who brings the energy and is a very productive uh, player as well. The Bears have a lot of depth, but surely there's going to be an impact. So the question is, Nick, how much? I mean, you saw the impact once Akeem Hicks left that game against the Raiders in London. That that offense that offensive line for the Raiders was able to do what whatever they wanted to that Bears defensive line. And yes, we've seen guys like Nick Williams and Roy Robertson Harris step up, 
But without Akeem Hicks, that's a huge impact. I know the Bears have a great defense overall. They have a gr- bunch of great players on all levels of this defense. But you lose a top talent guy like Akeem Hicks, your defense is going to take a hit. So, again, I think teams know that. Maybe they feel a little bit more confident, especially seeing what the Rays were able to do, that maybe they can try to establish the running game against this Bears defense. But, of course, it's just going to mean that other guys, like a Bilal Nichols, who's coming back from injury, will have that club on his hand, has to step up. Roy Robertson has to step up. Eddie Goldman, who's been an anchor for this Bears defense, maybe he just needs to play more snaps now that Akeem Hicks isn't in. And that's not ideally what you want, but it just it means everybody else need to elevate their level of play. And at 3-2 and two right now for the Bears, uh, obviously not in first place in the NFC North, that's what it's going to take for this team to kind of crawl and fight their way back, especially when you have one of your leaders who's out due to injury. Yeah, and the thing about losing Hicks that's huge is that he's that two-way defender in the middle of that defense. He's great at stuffing the run and also very good at rushing the passer. So I think it will take you know multiple Bears defensive linemen, pieces of that rotation, to step up in his place to make sure that damage is mitigated. But Nick, when you're looking at not just this week, but the rest of the season without Hicks until he comes back, if he comes back, do you believe the Bears have enough depth to you know live without him? I think so. Look, I mean, I just said that obviously defense is going to take uh, a hit because Akeem Hicks isn't there, but it's still a great defense, Will. It's just still a top five unit with all the guys you have around him. And you expected a guy like Bilal Nichols to take that next step. We'll see what happens, what he can do with that that club on his hand. But you still have a lot of capable guys on that defensive line who can make plays for the Bears. So, yeah, they can definitely do it. Um, this is a tough opponent, though, with the New Orleans Saints this week. But they're definitely capable of it. Jay Rogers is a great uh, coach for that, that defensive line. He's gotten the most out of, you know, a lot of his guys there, especially the backups in Nick Williams and Roy Robinson Harris. So, how personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Like I said, it's just going to take those guys to play even better moving forward until and if Akeem Hicks can come back this season. All right, well, you talked about it. We have a very tough game ahead of us in all three phases. And let's go ahead. We're talking about the defensive line, so I think it's perfect just to kind of start right there. Nick, are you looking at any battles up front, anyone standing out to you, good or bad, and why? And I know there's a guy that you want the, that you believe the Bears can beat consistently in this game, and I wanted to hand it over to you for you to kind of give those details. Yeah, so as I was just watching the film on the Saints, they have a pretty stout offensive line. They've been able to keep Teddy Bridgewater upright. Alvin Kamara hasn't been the same since his injury they sustained uh, against the Bucks, and has really hindered what he was able to do against the Jags. But it's that left guard, Andres Pete, number 75. That's the guy you want to target, especially uh, knowing that his the center for the Saints, that's a rookie too. So what I'm thinking the Bears need to do, especially going into this game without Akeem Hicks, a Bilal Nichols who has that cast on, run stunts towards those two guys. See the communication that they have because what I saw from the Jaguars game is that they did that a lot. And at times, Andres Pete was just in the completely r- wrong position to block a defender that was coming his way. 
Teddy Bridgewater had to escape the pocket, throw the ball early. That's the guy in the offensive line where I think the Bears absolutely need to take advantage of because their their tackles will they're pretty darn good. They they do their job in keeping Teddy Bridgewater safe in the pocket, able to have a clean pocket, just throw the ball effectively. So if you're going to win these matchups, and it does it doesn't help that you don't have Nakeem Hicks, who would definitely be going up against an Andres Pete. It they, that needs to be the matchup they exploit. Andres Pete versus whoever is lined up there, whether it's a stunt running at him, that's the matchup I like in this one. Andres Pete, yeah, he's the obvious Achilles heel. Like you said. Both of their tackles are very good at what they do. And Leonard Floyd, after that big week one against Green Bay, he's kind of tapered off. Khalil Mack, of course, he didn't have the game that we expected in Oakland. He had a week of bye. Well, this whole team had a bye week, I guess. But he had a week to kind of reset, and hopefully he's back to full swing. And, again, he'll be on both sides of the line of scrimmage here, attacking both these tackles. I don't have one, at least in my notes, that would be maybe a more preferable matchup. I don't know if you do, Nick, but I do not. Yeah, no, I mean, I, it, when I was watching the film, it's it's not like either one was consistently giving up pressure. Those guys were, you know, doing their job. That's why Teddy Bridgewater has been effective and has won every single game since uh, every game he started since Drew Brees has went out. So it's uh, it's a tough matchup for these these edge rushers for the Bears, but you can do things schematically on the defensive side. With Chuck Pagano being an aggressive-minded guy, just either bringing maybe a defensive back to blitz or just maybe putting those edge rushers. We've seen Khalil Mack sometimes go a little bit on the interior and then swap out with maybe Roy Robinson Harrison, you know, run a stunt. So that's what it's going to take. I think if you could be a little bit more creative in how you bring pressure and if you could do it without bringing extra guys, that's going to be huge for the Bears defense, being able to take advantage of the Saints offense. Now, of course, we already mentioned Noakeem Hicks. So we're looking at guys like Bilal Nichols, who's going to be having a club. You have Roy Robinson-Harris and Nick Williams. I know that Abdullah Anderson got called up, but I'm unsure exactly of how much he will be a part of this rotation. But when you're looking at those guys, Nick, I want to know, who you can put your money on to have the biggest impact this week? I'm looking at Nick Williams, the guy who shares both of our names. Uh, obviously, uh, he's filled in pretty admirably uh, for Akeem Hicks in the past this season. He's had a very strong start this season. He's an older guy. He's earned his time, and I think now's the time for him to really show what he can do. And Obviously, he's going to be a part of the equation, but when I'm looking at those other defensive linemen. I like Nick Williams in this matchup, especially against someone like Pete, like you've already mentioned. But how about you? If you had to put your money on one of these guys? Yeah, you know what? I'm actually going to go with Roy Robertson Harris. What I was noticing with Andres Pete, it's those guys on the interior, the defensive linemen that are really good with their hands. That's where he struggled with, where you're able to hand fight with the offensive lineman that at the very last second swim over, tuck their jersey in to get past them. That's where he struggled, and he was able to – what Andres Pete does, he just leans forward far too much and then uses momentum against them. That's what defensive linemen did, especially the Jaguars guys, and they were able to get him off balance. So I think I like Roy Robinson-Harris in this matchup because of that length he has. Keep him at bay and then swim move, do a, a counter move, which he's worked on this season to kind of get past that left guard and then get to Teddy Bridgewater. So I like I think Nick Williams is definitely capable of it. I think that Roy Robinson-Harris, given those opportunities, and we've seen what he can do in limited opportunities, take mo- you know, just take make advantage of it. I think he's the guy that can really get to the best of uh, Andres Pete. Cool. I'm having some fun here. I was like, I'm going to switch what side of my screen my notes are on just to change it up because you're always in the far right. 
<laughs> I didn't like it. I had to change it back real quick. It's like, yeah, my eyes do not want to go there. But no, really good points there, Nick, on the uh, interior defensive line. Anything else for the Bears in terms of the matchups up front that you want to kind of hit on before we move forward? No, I mean, like I said, the, that was the weak point, And then everywhere else, it's been pretty strong. But I would look at that center as well. Throw a lot of mixed stunts at him. See if he can pick it up. That's the thing with – and even James Daniels to a degree is still working on that. Just signaling out who is coming, who is not. Just kind of labeling out the protection. See if the, the center for the Saints can do that as well because that is not an easy task whatsoever. All right. Well, up next, we're going to kind of move on over to the Bears' run defense. But before we do, I do need to call a quick timeout to tell you a little bit about a new sponsor this season to the Chicago Audible. And that, of course, is Wrigleyville Sports, because we're super excited to have partnered with Wrigleyville Sports. They're one of the premier Chicago sports merchandise stores in the entire city. So if you're looking for any of the latest Bears gear, maybe you want to celebrate a little early or you want to celebrate appropriately this Sunday and get yourself a Club Dub t-shirt Definitely check them out, but they have everything that you want from hats, sunglasses. I know it's getting cold, but it doesn't mean the sun goes away. You have jerseys, anything you want. Check out WrigleyvilleSports.com. And since you're listening to the show, you do get a pretty sweet deal. We have a special promo code for you, and that is Audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E. And if you use that, you get 15% off and free shipping off any order of $25 or more. And again, that code, again, is Audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E, and it gives you 15% off and free shipping on any order on WrigleyVilleSports.com. All right, you're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm Errol Soldewitt, joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. We're previewing this Bears-Saints Week 7 matchup, and it's time to talk about that Bears run defense, which had a tough time in Week 5 in London against Josh Jacobs, I may not have, I'm not going to say I told you so, Nick, but I told you that Josh Jacobs may give that Bears defense a little bit of trouble. But again, we're all looking to rebound here. And for the Saints, they, of course, you already talked about Alvin Kamara. He's a dynamic threat, but you already said it, Nick. He is not 100%, and there's still a chance that he doesn't play. We don't know yet. New Orleans, they also have Latavius Murray. Uh, He's found some production this year, albeit it's been in a very limited role. So it's really hard to gauge exactly what the Bears are going to be up against. So taking all things into account, Nick, what are going to be some of your keys to stopping the Saints on the ground? You know what? Over the past couple of weeks, they just haven't been the same team rushing the ball. They didn't do it very effectively against the Bucks. They weren't able to establish the run really against uh, the Jags just last week. So I'm not really too concerned with what New Orleans is bringing in terms of the running game. And it seemed like at times they wanted to run away from that left guard, that left side, just because they knew that what they had and Andres Pete not able to get off blocks or the center just not able to pull effectively. It seemed like they wanted to run right a little bit more. But I'm not too concerned, even though Latavius Murray came in against Jacksonville, eight attempts, 44 yards, a 5.5 average he was able to you know bust off and get some a few of effective runs but again i don't think the bears are going to play as bad as they did in london against you know josh jacobs and i know they're they're without akeem hicks but you can't imagine that the bears are going to be that bad i don't know if you saw what chuck pagano said uh today about with just with khalil mack specifically it's like how are they going to rebound he said just watch at 3 30 on on sunday you'll see how we're going to rebound so I know the Bears are going to be ready defensively. Not too worried about them. What happened in London, I think that's one of the few instances this season where you're going to see a bad Bears defense. 
I'm not too concerned what they're going to do come Sunday against the Saints. I really, even if Kamara played, I don't really have much of a worry because he's very much like a Dalvin Cook, right? A smaller back who's real fast, a little bit shifty. And the Bears are pretty capable of stopping those types of running backs. The issues was against Oakland, okay, there are a lot of issues. But one of them is that bigger body Josh Jacobs that will run you over. That, the Bears had problems with that. And the Saints, they don't have that. So for me, I'm not really worried, just like you, Nick. And the Bears, I think a little bit of you know, retributions on the table here to kind of get that identity back. Because I said this, I think I used to say it every week, right? You can't go against the Bears' run defense until they prove otherwise. Well, they did a couple of weeks back, but now it's time to rebound and get back on track. Before we go and move forward, Nick, I just saw that Adam S. in our chat he is celebrating a birthday today. So, Adam, I just wanted to wish you a happy birthday, and I hope that you have a great one. Really appreciate you hopping in here on the chat. Really, I mean, on your birthday. I mean, that's even awesome. I'm glad you're sharing it with us. Yeah, absolutely. Happy birthday, Adam. All right. Let's move on to the passing game. Let's take a look at quarterback Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, He's been managing games pretty well in place of Drew Brees. He doesn't turn the ball over all too often. He doesn't try to do too much. But again, he's no Brees. There are indeed some ways that he is holding, I would say, that offense back from reaching its full potential. And I don't really think Teddy Bridgewater himself is going to pose too much of a threat. Right, Nick? The Bears don't need to do anything ultra special here on defense this week. Yeah, I don't think they have to do anything that they haven't done so far this season. Teddy Bridgewater has done a Look, he's done a great job at filling in for Drew Brees, no doubt about that. But he is definitely not a, you know, a difference maker, I would say. It's because, look, Drew Brees, here's what the, the Saints affect, basically lose. Drew Brees can go up to the line of scrimmage and change the play because he's seen almost every single defense and what they're going to throw at him. So he's able to change the plays at the line of scrimmage more effectively. Teddy Bridgewater most likely is getting the play from the sideline, running that play. is not... Not that he can't audible. He's obviously been in the league. He's a veteran now. But Drew Brees is a master at that. Teddy Bridgewater, not so much. And from what I've seen, when he has a clean pocket, he could throw some pretty good balls. But mm-hmm. when it when you ask him to run outside the pocket, there's a little bit of pressure. Like any quarterback, that accuracy diminishes. He will tend to throw high. If he's missing, he's throwing high. If you do that in the middle of this Bears defense, that's going to get picked off by Eddie Jackson or HaHa Clint Dix. I know Teddy Bridgewater probably knows that. So if anything, that's what the Bears want to do. If you can get him off his mark a little bit, that's going to be key for Teddy Bridgewater. And if you could do that without bringing the blitz, that'd be great because he's one of the top quarterbacks actually against the blitz, according to passer rating. This is from NFL Matchup on ESPN. 128.7 passer rating versus the blitz. And the Bears, they have the personnel to do to get to the quarterback without blitzing. But if they can do that, that would bode in their favor because Teddy Bridgewater has shown in the past that if you blitz him, he'll make you pay. That's the good stuff there. And, I mean, really, Teddy's played well. When you look at what he's done in the red zone as well, once they get down inside the 20, they've had some troubles converting, but he still doesn't turn the ball over. He actually has a 120.6 pass rating in the red zone, which is third best in the NFL. But, Nick, you hit on all the good stuff. Teddy, he's going to be out there to manage the game. He's going to take a lot of high-percentage throws, a lot of quick you know, routes over the middle. You're looking at a lot of slants. You're looking at a lot of screens, things that are making it easy for him. And the Bears' job is to make those easy passes, the not-easy passes, and force Teddy to play a little bit more you know, quarterback, make those throws down the field, and get him in some third-and-long situations. And if you do, I believe the Bears 
Bears defense should have the obvious advantage in this matchup. But speaking of matchups, let's go ahead and look at the ones through the year that we need to pay attention to because this one on the surface, Nick, I mean, it seems pretty damn obvious. And it becomes even more obvious if Kamara, if he doesn't play because he is the team's second leading receiver. I think since week three, he's had 25 receptions, which is the second most against amongst running backs since week three. But outside of him, the Saints are primarily a one-man show when it comes to receivers, and that's Michael Thomas. And he's going to give this Bears defense you know, a challenge. And we'll talk about if the Bears were up for that challenge or not, but he's going to line up all over. He's going to be up against Kyle Fuller. He's going to go up against Prince Mukamara, and he's going to be in the slot. Uh, 25 of his catches this year have came from the slot. So you have to look at Buster screen in this regard as well. So when you're looking at Michael Thomas, Nick, how do you stop him? Uh, can you? I don't know. I don't know if you really can. Michael Thomas got paid because he is a fantastic wide receiver. And for some reason, just going back two weeks, uh, you know, the Bucks decided, hey, we're not going to double team this man. Uh, the, the result of that was 11 receptions for 182 yards and two touchdowns. <laughs> that cannot be the game plan going into this. So even though you have Kyle Fuller, that's great. You give that man help because Michael Thomas is a problem. And Teddy Bridgewater, over the past, since he's become the starter, and we'll go, we'll start from that Seattle game. He targeted him uh, seven times against Seattle, targeted him nine times against Dallas, targeted him 13 times against the Bucks, and targeted him, targeted him 12 times against Jacksonville. He likes Michael Thomas. He likes throwing the ball to Michael Thomas. Good things happen when you throw the ball to Michael Thomas. So you know coming into this matchup, regardless of what corner's out there or what side of the field or where Michael Thomas lines up, Teddy Bridgewater is going to look to him because, like you said, this is a one-man show, especially if Alvin Kamara is not able to go. That's really going to limit what they want to do, I think, because if you can take away Alvin Kamara, man, a lot of pressure gets put on Michael Thomas, but he's capable of you know, withstanding and you know, carrying that pressure. But, yeah, it's going to take some double teams where you have some cloud coverage, some bracketed coverage from the safety, whether it's HaHa or Eddie Jackson. You do that. Don't end up like the Bucks, and the Bucks are just a trash defense overall, but – you don't want to end up like the Bucks because they got torched by Michael Thomas just two weeks ago. Would you just go out and say you're going to double team Michael Thomas all game long, or are you going to pick your spots? So I think you know what you know he's going to be targeted all game, and and every single at every single play there's a potential for Michael Thomas to be targeted if it's a passing play. There really is because when you look at their second, so obviously Alvin Kamara would be that second receiver. Ted Ginn. He had two receptions last week against Jacksonville for 36 yards. Two receptions a week before that against Tampa Bay. Number, I it'd be I think it would be false to say he's like the number two receiver because it's really just a number one and maybe just like number three, number three, number three. It's Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, and the Saints, and you know the rest of the guys that kind of just fill the rest of the roster spots on offense. So yeah, I'm I'm looking to you know just take him out of the equation. And the best way to do that is just to kind of have some extra coverage towards his side. See, when you're talking about having a number one wide receiver and then afterwards not knowing where it's going to go, I thought you were talking about our offense for just a hot second. Oh, yeah, that's that's true, too. But it's more, yeah, we don't really have, yeah, there's really not much <laughs> on that side. We'll get to that. We'll, we'll get, get there. That we'll sure. get there. But I actually had that exact note. It's like, hey, we have a number one. Who's the number two? And you, you talked about it with the Saints, and it's kind of interesting, the mirroring. Uh, that is kind of taking place here. But you talked about it. Ted Ginn Jr., he's not doing anything special this year. And when he is having 
uh, having being productive. It's a lot of underneath stuff. Uh, they do tend to take a couple of deep shots with him uh, either. And then when they do, there's two areas of the field, one on the left side. So Prince and Mukamara's side or right up the seam. So then you're looking at Prince, perhaps Eddie Jackson. And if they're playing zone, I mean, communication to hand off those type of deep routes is going to be very pivotal. Can't allow one to just run right by you, assuming that someone else is going to take care of him. You have to make sure on the same page. Uh, and for me, the only other guy that I'm looking at here is going to be Jared Cook because he makes his living, especially in the middle of the field. That's where nine of his 15 catches have came from, right between the numbers. Uh, and most of them are within the 10-yard window. So... Jared Cook, he's carving up defenses underneath. The Bears can't allow that to happen, especially in the middle of the field. So you're looking at the linebackers, Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith. Don't give them anything easy because he's been a decent security-ish blanket opposite of Thomas for a Teddy Bridgewater. Thomas is the 100% security blanket. Jared Cook is like alternate, you know, A2 or whatever way you want to pronounce that. But when I'm looking at Jerry Cook, I mean, each of his last two games, he has a touchdown. So he's going to be productive, and he's going to get his looks in the red zone. So he's someone, when they get down to the 20, to make sure you take away because he's been finding ways to reach pay dirt, and the Bears obviously need to find a way to make sure that does not happen. So Jerry Cook's, to me, outside of Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, that's about it. Anyone else for you, Nick? No, yeah, you hit on it. And seven of Jerry Cook's 15 receptions have come in the last two games. and So he's getting more involved in this offense, and you alluded to the two touchdown uh, receptions that he has in the past two games. So, yeah, they're starting to look at him a little bit more, but when it all, when you look at this offense, it is Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, and then you could throw whatever quarterback you want out there. They're going to utilize both those guys effectively throughout the game plan. So that's going to be the, the, the task at hand. Can this Bears defense take away? I'm really looking at I think it's just going to be Michael Thomas's game, that high ankle sprain. And even if Alvin Kamara does play, he's he's not the same player. He exactly. really is. And you saw that against the Jaguars because Alvin Kamara in space is just brutal to tackle. Like, I know Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan, great linebackers, but I would have to give it to Kamara one-on-one when healthy. He's that, that type of player where you can give it to him in space. He's going to make whoever it is miss. Um, you have to be really stout. Just everyone converges to the ball carrier. But that's not the Kamara that we're going to see on Sunday if we even see him. So can the Bears stop? Michael Thomas is going to be the big question uh, come Sunday. And then in the red zone, look for Jerry Cook. I know he didn't practice. Uh, at least I know he's been limited or did not practice yesterday. I am not up to date on today's injury report. <laughs> Cliff in the chat just said the same thing. Thank you, Cliff. We're on the same page here. But, yes, uh, we'll see exactly how that plays out. But those two injuries could end up being uh, playing really good favor for the Bears. But, Nick, when you're looking at the Saints offense or the Bears defense, uh, is there anything else you want to mention about this game? No, I mean, I think it's pretty straightforward. Look, Teddy Bridgewater is going to be a game manager. He's not going to force any of those, you know, 50-50 balls unless they're going to Michael Thomas. Um, And then when it comes to that Saints offense, it really is run through Again, Michael Thomas. So that's it's just, that's going to be the big thing. It's what Bears defense shows up. I think you and I both are expecting the Bears defense that we saw everything prior to that London game. I think that's what we're expecting. But if there's any kind of, you know, letdown or the same kind of defense comes out that was there in London against the Raiders, that's going to make life difficult for this entire Bears team because right now 
Obviously, they're an offense that is struggling. They're really relying on this defense to keep them in games, to kind of grind it out, see what kind of game, or just see if they can pull it out at the end. But they need to show up, and I really do expect that they will this matchup uh, against the Saints on Sunday. All right, well, for me, red zone third down real quick. Looking at the red zone, the Bears defense, they're 12th in the league, allowing touchdowns on 50% of those trips. The Saints offense, though, I talked about this in Meet the Opponent episode yesterday. They are the sixth worst offense in the red zone in terms of putting points on the board, at least reaching the end zone, which is only 44% of the time. Will Lutz has been you know, making a living with all the failed uh, red zone attempts on the other end, but uh, they're having a hard time actually punching that thing in. And then on third down, the Bears defense, sixth in the NFL, only allowing teams to convert on 32%, where the Saints offense themselves, they're sitting at 11th. They're converting on about a 43% clip. But Nick, it's time to find out who has the edge. And I'll go over to you first. That Saints offensive line versus that Bears pass rush. Man, that's a good one. Like I pointed out Andres Pete. The other four guys have been pretty good this season. And without Akeem Hicks, it's going to be tough for, for this Bears defensive line. But I'll go I'll go no, I I think I'm gonna go Saints for this one, actually. I'm gonna go Saints. I, I point out the one weakness, but I just gotta see. Um, if the Bears, with their depth, and they've proven in spurts that they can play without Akeem Hicks, but that is a big blow for this Bears defense. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at the Saints' ground game versus the Bears' run defense. I'm going to go back to the Bears' run defense. I did say I can't go against them until they prove otherwise, and they kind of did in London. But I'm going to call that an anomaly, and I believe that even without an Akeem Hicks, they'll be able to rev that thing back up. And plus, you know, uh, Kamara, ankle, or not, depending on if he's playing. I, I still think this one goes to the Bears' favor, which, again, if you shut down the run and you make Teddy Bridgewater have to beat you, then it all goes to Michael Thomas, which leads into the Saints' pass game versus the Bears' secondary. And, Nick, we're going to share this one. Which way are going to go? So when he is on Amukamara's side, I'll give it to Michael Thomas. <laughs> when he's on Kyle Fuller's side, I'll give it to, you know, the Bears. And that's... I don't know, 50-50 then. I have no idea. What about well, Buster? When, he then, when he's in the slot, I, I really like how Buster Screen's been playing. So, favor Bears. That's Thank you, Buster Screen. I like it. I like it. I'm For me, I'm going, even though that Thomas is the only real one that we need to talk about, looking at the collective whole, I think the Bears secondary is the more talented group. So I'm going to give them the advantage. And again, Bridgewater at quarterback, if you find a way to make him have to beat you with his arm, then the good thing should happen. So for me, the Bears' secondary should have the advantage over the Saints' passing attack. But it's time for our X factors here, Nick, and there's plenty of ways you can go about it. I have three different ones that I can potentially bring out, and I'll go with my gut here in a moment. But over to you first. Ooh, dang! I was hoping you go, but I'm gonna, so obviously <laughs> Michael Michael Thomas was a focal point. But if the Bears can, you know, just maybe make Teddy Bridgewater's internal clock a little bit faster with some pressure and if that were to come from the edge that would be a huge win from the bears and you already know they're going to double team khalil mack or even triple team so where let's go leonard floyd for this x factor one where has leonard floyd been since week one in green bay and two since he's what slammed i think it was no offense in that penalty i feel like leonard floyd has just been you know, he disappeared. So we need to see Leonard Floyd kind of reemerge and come back to being that that force on the opposite side of Khalil Mack. And obviously this isn't the matchup that I like, but we just we need to see it. Guys need to step up now that this Bears team is three and two coming off the bye. There's no Akeem Hicks. 
So I'll give the X factor to Leonard Floyd actually making his impact felt off the edge. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. And we'll see if he can win that matchup. I'm going with all three corners. I had that listed go. here as one of my options. And to me, I mean, the more you and I talked about it, I mean, he is, Michael Thomas, is that offense for the vast majority. Like I said in my podcast with our guest the other day, he has more t- catches than anyone else in that team has targets, which is just to put it out there. I mean, that's crazy. It just shows just how valuable he is to that offense and how he is the engine that makes that thing go. So the Bears need to find a way to be the breaks. And so I'm looking at, you know, Kyle Fuller, Buster Screen, and Prince Mukamara. All three of them combined, they're going to have their hands full in any given down. And obviously, if you're looking for an X Factor in an X Factor, the obvious one is Prince Mukamara as well. All right, we're halfway through the show, and it's time to turn the tables and look at the Bears' offense, which may have its signal caller back this week. The Bears are, they, yesterday they were cautiously optimistic that Mitchell returned. I saw that he was a full participant in today's practice, so I feel pretty good about his odds here on Sunday. However, they're going up against a Saints defense that hasn't allowed more than only uh, 257 total yards in three straight weeks. So if Trubisky plays, Nick, I want to know, what are going to be some of those things that you want to see out of him in his return? Because with a few weeks between games for him, uh, Trubisky said time to reflect on his play and hopefully he can come back a better quarterback and maybe come out of the gate a little bit hot. So what do you what do you expect to see out of Mitch when he plays? And do you think he will play? I think he will. Yeah, I think he'll play. What I expect to see, I don't really know well. I, I don't know if he's going to be hesitant he obviously hasn't been hit since that hit that he took against the Minnesota Vikings that you know put him out. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting because the Saints defense they're legit and they have a lot of guys that can come after the quarterback at different angles. I don't know if people saw the video of what Cameron Jordan did to the right tackle for the Jaguars. I posted the, the right tackle was off the ground, you guys, for a couple of seconds because of the power that he generated. <laughs> That's Bobby Massey. And Cameron Jordan's a hell of a player. I think he has five sacks for the Saints right now, and they have 18 total, which is sixth best in the NFL. So they can bring it. So I don't know what I'm expecting from Mitch Trubisky. I guess it all depends on what Matt Nagy has in store to try to mitigate what the Saints defense brings because they bring a ton of pressure, and they do it from a bunch of different ways, from a bunch of different players. I think against the Bucs, they had five guys have a sack. So it's not just one guy you have to game plan for. Right. It's a whole bunch of guys. So I, I really can't tell you what I am expecting from Trubisky because it's all what is Matt Nagy thinking that would be a good game plan. So, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't really have an answer to that question. And Mitch hasn't shown me anything this season that gives me confidence that they can really do anything to the Saints defense right now. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to gauge what we're going to expect from Mitch or what we're going to get out of him. 
if I'm going to have like a hopefulness, I hope he comes back calm. Because if you remember last year when he came back from his injury, I think he had his worst game ever in the NFL. And I believe after the game, we saw the postgame comments. We're sitting here on the postgame show. And he said he had butterflies. He felt the nerves. And he can't do that again. I mean, you really can't at this stage of your career. So he needs to go out there, take a deep breath, and just be calm. Because that's really, if he's out there and his you know anxiety is getting the best of him, that's not going to be a good situation for anybody. And again, I'm not asking him to be timid by any means. He does need to play with confidence. But it needs to be a calm confidence, not one of jitters or that do-or-die urgency. So I hope Mitch comes back you know, calm and is able, because for me, as someone who's had his shoulder dislocated seven times, oh, I get worried about, you know, to me, taking a hit, especially for my blind side, because if I don't see it and I can't brace up and that muscle's not tense, that shoulder can pop right back out. And he can't think that way, because if he thinks that way, that split second to even worry about that shoulder can be the difference of a completion for a touchdown and a pick six or a fumble. You never know. So for me, when it all comes back down to Mitch this week, I hope he just comes back calm, relaxed, and goes out there to play with some, you know, like I said, calm confidence. I think that's the best way to put it, or at least what I'm hoping to see out of Mitch. All right, so obviously, you said it, Nick. Uh, Mitch, if he comes back, I'm going to say when he comes back this week, I, I just feel that confident about it. Uh, he's going to face a pretty nasty defensive front, uh, especially coming off the edge. You, got, you have guys like Cameron Jordan. He has five sacks on the year. Um, but his counterpart, Marcus Davenport, he's actually getting after quarterbacks at a higher clip in terms of at least applying the pressure. Over 60 combined pressures between the two flying off the opposite edges. Uh, so you're looking at Charles Leno Jr., and as you can tell my voice, I got a little nervous even saying his name. And then Bobby Massey. Each of them are going to have their hands full. So, Nick, Davenport versus Leno Jr., primarily. They'll switch a little bit off and on. And then you have you know, Cameron Jordan versus Bobby Massey, which is the bigger matchup. Whew, that's a tough question. So, yeah, Marcus Davenport's been playing a lot better, especially these past two games, uh, just how he's been able to get to the quarterback. But Cameron Jordan's a veteran, and like I said, I, I posted that video for a reason. He could still get after the quarterback, and he is leads the team, I'm pretty sure, with the sacks that he has. So uh, not a guy that you don't want either one of those, but I think Charles Leno Jr. said he did some self-scouting self over the bye week, just trying to determine what is going on. He's been penalized the most in football so far with those eight penalties. So I'm thinking he's going to have a bounce-back game. So the Davenport-Leno, uh, I'm going to give that one to Leno. It's really the opposite side with Massey and then Cameron Jordan. But I think the Bears are going to be smart about this. They know they don't want to have Cameron Jordan just wreck their game plan. And it's not like, look, I'm not going to put Cameron Jordan the same. Obviously, he's not on the same level as like a Khalil Mack, right? He could still win some of those one-on-one matchups. You just got to be smart about what the play is. If it's a, you know, a play where you got to get the ball out quick, do that. Just have it. Don't let these edge rushers be play a huge impact on the game. If you run the ball effectively, you can kind of take away that ability to sack the quarterback. But if I had to, if I'm worried about one, you know, one matchup over the other, I would say it's Massey versus Jordan. And Jordan, I mean, obviously he's been doing this for a cup for you know some time now in the league. So that's the one I'd be more worried about. I get you. I'm going opposite though. I like that. I, I don't. I like Davenport. I like him as a player. I like what he does. Not this week though. Uh, he like I said, they have about the same amount of pressures. I'm looking at Davenport. He has 31 pressures, which is exactly the same as Cameron Jordan. But Davenport has played 60 or so less snaps. So he's been out there, and when he's out there, he's wreaking havoc. 
Uh, and you talked about it, Leonard Jr., self-scouting. That's great. You can do that all you want, but there's one thing to do it and one thing to apply it. And hopefully he does apply it, but I'm still a little nervous when I'm looking at this game because Davenport, he can win with speed, he can win with power, and I just have a hunch he's going to find a way to keep Leonard Jr. off balance on his, you know, on his heels, probably not as much on his toes. And that's, to me, especially with Trubisky's blind side this week with that shoulder, especially in a harness, that's a big matchup in my eyes. If that one goes into Davenport's favor and heavily, the offense is in some serious trouble. But that's not the only thing we need to talk about this week on the offensive line because Kyle Long, he went to IR as well, which is a tough but right call that the Bears made there. I'm glad they made it. So when you're looking at replacements, you have Rashad Coward, who I think is going to be the guy. Uh, Ted Larson, he's battling a minor injury. Then he also brought up Alex Bars too. But my money, it is on Rashad Coward. But whoever it is, they're going to be going toe-to-toe with David Animata. Uh, he is one of the best interior defensive linemen in the league this season, especially in terms of stopping the run. So, Nick, what are your thoughts without Kyle Long this week and, of course, moving forward? You know, on, uh, it's tough to say, but the Bears' offensive line is going to get better. Uh, Kyle Long was not playing at the level that we have all seen him play at, Pro Bowl caliber player, but his body just wasn't allowing him to move the way he wanted to, to get in position to make the right blocks. There are some plays where, you know, it's hard. It's it's laughable, like how you see him try to get in position, but he just can't, which sucks to see for Kyle Long because he's played so well. For this team when they were bad and finally when they get good, of course his body just isn't able to keep him going. But the Bears offensive line does get better with a healthy Rashad Coward, who I agree with you, Will, is probably going to be the guy that's first to step up. Ted Larson, like you said, is still dealing with that injury. And Alex Bars is a capable guy probably down the line. But Rashad Coward will be the guy. We saw what the Bears offensive line was able to do and what that offense was able to do with Chase Daniel, at quarterback, against the Vikings. When, um, you know, Rashad Coward had to go in. So I, I like it's the right move for the Bears. It's an unfortunate one for Kyle Long, but I do like the move going forward. You just got to hope that, you know, whether it's Coward, Larson, maybe even Bars, whoever gets filled into that that right guard spot, they could stay healthy and just, you know, get to their position and be able to make effective block because that was not happening with Kyle Long. Yeah, and I expect Coward, I, he has a tough matchup this week. Uh, I think it's going to be... A difficult one, but one that I think he's going to be able to succeed in, actually. I think he's going to thrive a little bit this week, play with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. He knows this is the time that he's been waiting for, right? Because last year kind of stashed away a little bit after making that transition from the defensive line over to right tackle. He got slid into right guard a couple weeks ago, looked pretty good in that spot. And now he gets an opportunity to show what he can do. So for me, I'm excited. I don't think he's going to limit the offense by any means. Like you said, Nick, it's hard to say, but the offensive line should be better as a whole for this and hopefully coward can be the guy to just be the plug and play for the rest of the season because with the offensive line you want continuity you want the same five guys week in week out and if anyone's hoping okay coward this week but maybe bars in a couple weeks or maybe try larson that's not the right way to go about it you want someone who can go in there be consistent and have have that starting five find some new consistency and some confidence as a whole so for me coward hopefully should be pretty good this week are you Worried about his matchup this week, or is there any other matchups in the interior of the offensive line? I know our focus is on the edge, and rightfully so, but like you said, this entire defensive front is a little nasty. Yeah, no, I'm worried about all the matchups that the Bears have. <laughs> this offensive line hasn't given, hasn't probably given anybody, especially Bears fans, confidence that they can, 
you know, win those one-on-one matchups. That was something that Matt Nagy highlighted, especially after the London game. Like, of course, reporters asked him, like, what have you seen on the offensive line? He didn't directly say it, said it, but he did. It's like, we're not winning those one-on-one matchups. So whether it is, you know, James Daniels or Cody Whitehair, any of these guys up front, they're not winning those one-on-one matchups. Harry Heastan needs to get more out of that group. So regardless of the defensive lineman that is in the rotation for the the New Orleans Saints, yeah, until they prove otherwise, of course I'm worried. Yeah, because like like you said, like I've said, they're nasty up front. And I think I think Matt Nagy described them as salty. I don't think that was the right word to describe <laughs> uh, like their defense, but they're salty, Will, and that if that's a, that's a problem. He's trying to stay hip with the lingo. I have a hard time myself, but even I get salty. Maybe it's another term that I'm not getting as well. But yeah, you talked about Leno Jr., right? And he did some self, you know, self scouting. Hopefully, they did all some self scouting. But hopefully, Harry Heastan did some self scouting. Was able to do some, you know, patchwork throughout this week in practice too of like some obvious issues that were, you know, consistent week in week out and try to you know scrub those away. But let's go ahead. Let's move forward. And let's take a look at that Saints pass defense. They allow a pass rating of only 93.6, uh, which is 19th in the NFL. Uh, they allow 237 passing yards per game, which ranks 11th in the league. So there should be a few interesting matchups in the air for the Bears. And again, I you, you took the words out of my mouth earlier. They're still trying to find that consistent number two target behind Allen Robinson. Uh, so, Nick, over to you. What are some of the matchups on your radar? Do you see any favorable ones? So, actually just kind of looking at the the linebackers that the Saints have. Mm-hmm. The matchup that I do like is, so when they're in the nickel package, so the Saints like to have Demario Davis and A.J. Klein as a nickelback um, linebacker. It would be Klein is who I like to target. Yes. As, so there we go. We're on the same page as usual, Will. But that would be the linebacker that I like to coverage because you see Demario Davis, he's over there just a couple weeks ago against uh, O.J. Howard. Again, he hasn't really done much this season. I know Bears want you know trade for him, but a very athletic uh, tight end, able to cover him down the field down the field on a, a post route. But it's AJ Klein who's a little bit more stiff. The only thing though, and just uh, reading some some articles from the Athletic and some of the writers at for the Saints, uh, Athletic writer Deuce Windham said the Saints have faced eleven personnel, which is three wide receivers, two hundred eighty-two times, which is more than any defense in the NFL. And teams have only been successful 45% of those plays. Well, the Bears, on their offense, they run 11 personnel all the time, 53%, which is not uncommon for any NFL team. Usually that's going to be the primary focus. But the Bears are in 11 personnel have not been very successful. Only 40% of those plays have been successful for the Bears in 11 personnel, and the Saints only allow 45% success rate. So... What the Bears like to do, the Saints are good at defending, and the Bears haven't been good at anything on offense. And regardless if it's A.J. Klein that you're targeting or, you know, DeMario Davis or one of the corners, that matchup goes in favor of the Saints. So it's it's not that – um well, it's really that the Bears are bad on offense. The Saints are really good on defense right now. Yep, so yep. that's that's basically what it is. Yeah, and that's what it sounds like. It sounds like a long-winded percentage way to say it, but it's a good one nevertheless. I like that insight there, Nick. 
But yeah, Klein, he's the one I have circled. Like you said, he's stiff. He reminds me a little bit of like a Nick Lukowski a little bit in coverage, how he kind of is a little bit slow, always a step behind. He's definitely beatable. He is the second most targeted player on that defense. I think that's for a reason. Your heart health is the foundation of your body's performance. So if you want to stay at your peak, your heart has to do the same. Cocovia delivers the level of cocoflavanols clinically proven to increase circulation, promoting healthy blood pressure and a strong heart. Boost your cardiovascular health and stay peak with Cocovia at cocovia.com. That's C-O-C-O-A-V-I-A.com. And now during Heart Health Month, save 20% with coupon code CVHEART20. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent disease season and he does allow a 133 passer rating when targeted this season uh, when I'm looking elsewhere I say go after Patrick Robinson in the nickel uh, he's in place of that PJ Williams who is now suspended uh, Robinson he's 32 years old obviously he wasn't uh, deemed worthy enough for a starting spot so let's see what he can do definitely test him out and then other than that when I'm looking at the Bears, I'm interested to see if the lack of harness for Anthony Miller is going to continue to help him. You and I, we've talked about in the podcast before, like with that harness, he can't really get full mobility of that arm. I know he took it off against the Raiders and he felt, you know, free, free at last. He was able to go out there and utilize his full body, that wingspan, that potential. So I would like to, and he also had his best game of the entire season. So I want to see him continue to build off of that and some progress. And with Mitch probably coming back, who has a hard time connecting with Anthony Miller. It's a big game to see if they can find a way to click. If they can find a way to click after the buy and build off of it, that'd be a really good step for those two. And then Taylor Gabriel, he's been practicing getting back off of that concussion protocol, and his return would be pretty huge as well. Don't forget the three touchdowns that he had in his last game here. So for me, that's what I'm looking at in terms of matchups besides Allen Robinson, who is the you know the end-all, be-all right now for the Bears in terms of receptions. How about you, Nick? Anything further here? Uh, so I think in terms of if you're looking at the corners that they have, Eli Apple and then obviously Marshawn Lattimore, I think you have to want to favor the Marsh or the the Apple matchup and whoever's on there. Maybe having a speedster like a Taylor Gabriel will definitely help there. But yeah, uh, Marshawn Lattimore has been playing some good football the past two weeks, and I think with Mitch coming back, you want to see what what he's like throwing the ball. How accurate is he? And if you had to test one of these corners, I'm not going to test Lattimore. I definitely want to test uh, e- Eli Apple in favor of that matchup. But yeah, the Saints defense it's pretty darn good. It's pretty darn good. Will and like Von Bell, they're uh, or not Von Bell. It's Marcus Williams or free safety. You'll see him play a lot in the box. It's like they have three linebackers when they're in that nickel package, but they'll bring Marcus Williams in there and he'll line up next to Davis and Klein. And it's like they have like three linebackers, even though they're in that nickel coverage. And he has just been blowing up plays in in the backfield, just tackling running backs. And as you all, as we all know, the bears haven't been able to block very well this season. So you don't want a guy like that who has been impacting plays to make plays against this bears offense. All right, finally, let's look at the Bears' ground game. Uh, This will, too, obviously be impacted by the offensive line change. Uh, On the year, the Saints defense, they rank 14th. They allow 103 yards on the ground per game and 4.3 yards per carry on average. Uh, So, obviously, we want to set some expectations for the rushing tack. Obviously, they need to have a presence this week. The Bears are 26th, 26th in the NFL, 80 yards per game on the ground. I'm hopeful that... You know, they can maybe have another game like they did against Washington a little bit. Uh, maybe the offensive line change can help a little bit. But 
I'm still not really, Nick, personally super confident in the Bears' ability to have a big day on the ground uh, until I see it. I'm expecting maybe a modest day, probably around that average of 80 yards or so, maybe 90-ish yards on the ground, especially if the Bears can't get much going on through the air. It's going to make that job on the ground a little bit more difficult to become one-dimensional one way or the other. So when you're looking at the Bears on the ground, David Montgomery taking the bulk of these carries, what kind of day are you envisioning and why? For me, I'm having a hard time seeing them still eclipse the century mark. Yeah. Um, oh, man, I have a stat in here, Will, about how many games the Saints have gone without giving up 100. Okay. The Saints are currently, and credit to the athletic writer Jeff Duncan who found this stat, the Saints currently have a streak of 32 consecutive games, two seasons worth, without allowing a 100-yard rusher. That's going to be wow. 33 come Sunday because – Unless it is just a dramatic difference from this offensive line, this game plan from Matt Nagy. And not so I when I say dramatic, I don't mean you have to do these fancy plays, but like they just need to get back to the fundamentals of football, win your matchups up front and block some damn people. That's how you can get maybe break this streak. But they've gone thirty two games so far. With how the Bears have been playing, I don't see it happening. And I look, I met David. So uh, p- for people that know, I met David Montgomery last weekend. Great guy. And I hope for him to have the best. But I just don't see it coming against the Saints. Well, they stopped Leonard Fournette like it was, you know, no issue. Again, right. Uh, Minshew didn't help them when you have no passing game. Of course, it's not going to help. But near to the Bears. The Bears don't there have a go. passing game. The Bears don't have a running game. The Bears barely have an offense. They have 11 guys that go out there. That's about it. So unless they just change everything i don't see it happening will same literally you took the words out of my mouth i mean right now we don't have much of a passing attack to combat it to even set anything up and it all goes back to what we said earlier right the offense has just been bad they've been honestly just piss poor and it's been five games they had a week to reset they get mitch back Maybe they can move the ball. Maybe they can find a way to have some positive momentum. Both have been so hard to come by for this offense. It's on drives that are promising. They find a way to shoot themselves in the foot and destroy it. Uh, They have one positive drive followed by two, three and outs. It's just has been so up and down a roller coaster of a ride with really not a lot of peaks, a lot of valleys, a lot of lows for this offense. And they need to find a way to claw themselves out of it. And like you said, Nick, it all comes back down to the basics and scheme and executing and doing your job. So for me, in terms of what they're going to do on the ground, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Hopefully they can put all the pieces together. I do know with Rashad Coward on the field, they were able to have one of the bigger runs of the entire year. Uh, That is a testament to Coward as well, but that doesn't mean that he's going to go out there and you're going to see these huge holes just open up in a running game, especially against the Saints on defense. Anything else, Nick, either on the Bears' offense or the Saints' defense that you want to make sure we hit on? You know, I think for Matt Nagy, it's uh, for him when he gets, it seems like it's too predictable. Whenever you see Cordell Patterson lined up as a running back, you know that ball is going to Cordell Patterson up the middle, right? We've seen that a couple times this season, and I think you just need to get away from that. I think a, a guy that may have an impact, well, and this is crazy to say, and maybe I'm just saying this because I want this Bears' offense to do something, I think J.P. Holtz could actually be someone that is a factor because, you know, when I was talking about going maybe back to the traditional ways, he can line up as that fullback role, mm-hmm. and that's just another added blocker. And the Bears, they we need, need all the blockers anywhere. Yeah. 
yeah. anywhere they can get it any from anybody. And J.P. Holt has this nasty side to him. So maybe that's a guy that – I'm not going to say that he's like the, the key piece that was missing to make this <laughs> offense work. I'm not saying that. But maybe that's just kind of what they need. Somebody that's just going to go out there – like sacrifice his body to get David Montgomery going because he we know he can make people miss but he can't make three people miss who are already in the backfield and then try to gain positive yards and he's somehow done that he's somehow fought for three two yards but god if you give him just a little bit of a lane for once let's see what this guy what he can do the Bears moved up to get David Montgomery for a reason they obviously have Tariq Cohen. We haven't even talked. That's the first time we mentioned Tariq Cohen. Isn't that sad? It's sad because this offense has just been awful. You know what? If they play like they did in that third quarter a little bit where that offense was able to score points, defense was creating turn like that and against in London, that's what the offense that we need to see. Anthony Miller was getting involved. There was a play where you throw it to Anthony Miller and then you throw it to Allen Robinson for a touchdown. That's what we want to see. But can the Bears actually do it? And against this good Saints defense – I just don't think this is the week, which is tough to say. It is tough to say, but that's tough love, and sometimes you need it, and sometimes you just have to be you know, honest with ourselves, and we can't keep blowing smoke and being like, hey, the Bears offense, they're going to figure it out, and it's going to be this week. We don't we don't know that, and we there's nothing that shows it's going to happen, but I don't know. J.P. Holtz, the savior, starts to have a good ring to it. <laughs> yeah, I watch. I'm going to get so much crap for that, but maybe. What else can the what else can the Bears do right now? Matt Nagy just needs to be better, I think. We'll see how yes. Mitch plays, but I just don't know. A lot of uncertainties right now uh, on this Bears offense. One thing's for certain: I have stats on the red zone and on third down, and those are a certainty. Uh, the Bears offense they enter the week 14th in the red zone, converting uh, on 58% of those trips into six points. The Saints defense they're 22nd in the NFL. They do allow touchdowns on over 60% of those trips. On third down, the Bears offense, where you expect them to be, 22nd in the league, only converting on 35%. And the Saints defense, 14th, allowing teams only to convert on 37%. So it looks like the Bears are going to be right around their average in terms of where they may end up being on third down. But they could find a way. To me, my my number has always been about 45%. If you can find a way to convert on 45% of your third downs, Good things usually follow. At least points will happen. Even if they're not touchdowns, you can find a way to at least put some three points up, you know, some field goals on the board from time to time. But, Nick, it's time to find out who has the edge. And I'll go ahead and kick this off. I have the Saints pass rush versus the Bears' offensive line. New retooled, a week off offensive line. Harry Heastan getting behind him, coaching him up. Rashad Coward steps in. I'm still going with the Saints pass rush. Yep. <laughs> I knew that's where that was going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just yikes. I mean, hopefully they can step up to the challenge because they did that last year. And they were able to take care of, you know, guys like Cameron Jordan, guys like Marcus Davenport. Last year, those were no problem. Each and every week, right? Oh, no big deal. We got it taken care of. Not this year. And hopefully this week can change it. But until then, right now, I got to go with the Saints pass rush. Davenport, Jordan, and some of the guys up front as well in the middle, They're they're nasty. They're salty. And they're going to give our guys some hell up front. So for me, going to go with the Saints here. Nick, over to you. I'm going to give you the Saints secondary versus that Bears passing attack. Saints secondary. I Again, it's all going to be predicated on that offensive line if they can hold up against this pass rush. And we don't know how Mitch is going to play. He hasn't shown anything this season to feel confident about, really. 
So I have to give it to the Saints secondary that is playing some good football. And Marshawn Lattimore, I would expect, is going to be on Allen Robinson a lot. And that's going to be a good matchup. I'll take Allen Robinson still in that matchup. But you got to get the ball there. And it's we don't know. We just don't know yet with Mitch and how he's going to play. So got to go with the Saints. All right, and then you get the Saints run defense versus that Bears ground game. Uh, for me, I think it's the Saints run defense. Again, the Bears haven't proven anything here. We just had a whole big discussion on that, so I'm not going to rehash it. Nick, are you in agreement? Saints sweep the board? Saints sweep. Oh, I thought you had more. <laughs> nope, just that. Don't want to okay. elaborate on it. You're good. <laughs> All right, X-Factor time on offense. I'm just going to you know, pull the rabbit out of the hat, the easy one, right? Mitch Trubisky. And I'm sure, Nick, you have another maybe easy one. We'll see if I can just set it up there for you. You have a moment to think about it. Uh, but for Mitch, can he elevate the offense? Can he lead the charge? Can he do more than just manage a game like Daniel has but be the guy who can kind of take the offense by the reins and run with it? Maybe not run, run because of the shoulder, but I just want to know, can Mitch sustain drives, make the crucial throws when they matter? We need that. We need that in a quarterback this week, next week, and the rest of the season. But if he's not able to do that, it's just going to be another game where I see the Bears defense keeping them, quote, you know, in it. And then the offense maybe, you know, trying to find a way to just do enough to be on the right side of the final score. But I don't want that to be the case. I want the Bears' offense to do their job and the Bears' defense to be able to keep the other team scoring low enough where you have a gap instead of just being right there, barely, barely ahead. So for me, X-Factor's Mitch. He's coming back. I want him to provide a spark. I don't know if he can or if he will. So for me, that's an X-Factor. How about you, Nick? You know what, Will? You mentioned like Trubisky like maybe not run with that shoulder, but I think he does need to run. When, it's, when the opportunity presents itself where he can slide – and, you know, get there safely. Yeah, because we haven't seen Mitch actually use his legs this season. That was a big component last season. I think it was fifth in the NFL in rushing guards. That was huge for the Bears. He got some key first downs with his legs. So maybe when the opportunity presents itself, take off and get down safely. But my X factor, and I think when you go into a matchup where you are outmatched, the Bears offense is outmatched going into this into this game. I'll say that right now. You need a guy that can call plays and do it effectively and get these guys in position. And that's Matt Nagy. He needs to come out and have his best game plan that we've seen all season. With this offensive line not playing very confident, and I know they're coming off the bye, they did self-scouting. Harry Heastan's getting on them. Well, if you put your guys in position, the best positions possible to gain yards, even though you are not playing as well, that's going to bode well for this Bears offense. That's throwing screens, those inside screens. Maybe a guy like J.P. Holtz comes in. He had one in London where he had that inside screen. Get a few yards. Get those tight ends involved. Have those quick passes. Take away this Saints pass rush and let Mitch have easy, effective passes. And that's where Matt Nagy is going to come into play, where he's game planning. Has, it's especially going to be uh, you know, an advantage to the Bears. If the Bears can take advantage of those scripted plays, get up early and then let that defense kind of get after Bridgewater because you want Bridgewater, the passer, the guy that's going to have to throw and not the game manager to win the game. So if the Bears can go up early somehow, some way, it's all going to come back to Matt Nagy and how he game plans. So that's my X factor going to this one. Yeah, good stuff there, Nick. Sorry, I've been trying to think about how Mitch would slide if he's running with the ball, right? Because his strong hand, his arm, his right one, he wanted to put that one to protect the ball. 
his other arm's going to be in a harness. I don't know how you're going to be able to like hold yourself and scoot. And if you hit that just right, Nick, I'm telling you, a shoulder will just pop right back out with a slightly torn labrum. And again, I'm not saying he shouldn't run if given the opportunity. I'm just trying to work through the mechanics of how he should slide, and hopefully he's working that out in his head too because it is kind of intricate when you're dealing with a, a ligament uh, that can literally just pop off at any given time. You know what? If Mitch doesn't feel comfortable sliding, he shouldn't play. And I know a shoulder can just pop out. And if he doesn't feel comfortable that if he takes contact, his shoulder's going to hold up, then he shouldn't play. But I'm thinking from what it sounds like how he's he's talked to the media, Matt Nagy's talked to the media, like it's seeming like he's going to go. So he better be able to – One, obviously he hasn't taken contact, but they said they simulated in practice with you know uh, the bags and stuff. That's not Cameron Jordan hitting you, driving you to the ground, and then seeing how you're feeling. This, this is a bag. You know, and it's probably not being hit that hard at, at the quarterback, I would assume. So he's got to feel comfortable with that. I think at any point he may he may have to slide. He's got to feel comfortable with it. If not, then he shouldn't play. I'm telling you, I'm not going to say it on the show. We'll talk about it when we get off. But from my personal experience, there's no way that thing, you, you have confidence in it. I mean, there's just none, literally none. There's no way you do it because – it, one wrong move, one wrong motion, one wrong fall, one wrong hit, one wrong you land on it. It's there's so many ways that thing can go, Nick. And I'm again, I'm speaking from experience here. I'm glad I got the surgery. I'm glad Anthony Miller got the surgery, and I know why he's not getting the surgery because he'd be out for the season. I get it, and it's an off season thing. It's it's coming. They haven't said it's coming. Bark my words, that's coming our way. But let's move on. We have other things to talk about here, Nick, and let's move on to the final portion of our show, which is going to go into. Uh, of course, our predictions, but first, special teams and a few things on my radar. Number one, the Saints punt returner, Deontay Harris. He has most punt return yards in the NFL with 150. Uh, fun fact, the Bears, three Cohen, does lead the NFL in average yards per punt return at 14.89. Uh, and Will Lutz, he has the fourth most field goals in the NFL, 13. And he's only missed one. He's 13 to 14. And his only miss was from 50 plus. So those are a few things on my radar in terms of the third phase. How about you, Nick? No, so Deontay Harris is also – he's capable of making some big returns. I'm pretty sure he had a touchdown against Seattle. But he does have some trouble with actually making the, the punt or actually catching the punt. There was in the in the Bucks game where he dropped one, he muffed one. It didn't go the Bucks way, even though it was a clear fumble. But he has had some times as a punt returner where he just doesn't catch the ball cleanly. So the Bears have some pretty good gunners that can get down there quick. And Sherrick McManus – he may be a guy that can get there fast enough, and if that ball ends up on the ground, I would bet that Sherrick McManus is going to be one of the guys that can recover it. So even though Deontay Harris is definitely somebody you have to watch out for because if he gets to the edge, it's like that Tariq Cohen speed where you're in trouble. If he's on the edge, it's like, crap, you're probably going to be seeing his number and seeing him go down the opposite way because that's not where you want him to be. But he is a guy that will you know, be a little iffy when he's back there and when catching those punts. All right, well, let's go ahead. Let's get some predictions in. We've been talking about this game now for about an hour, maybe a little bit more, and it's time to you know predict what's going to happen. So with bold prediction time, Nick, I know I think you had a million written down by the time we started this show, right? I have none. <laughs> what is it? What are you going to make up? So I think in – well, look, I don't, I don't want to reveal it yet, but uh, this Saints team, it's very good, and I don't think that either team – gets scores double or is able to score more than two touchdowns in this game. I think it's going to be extremely low scoring 
and where the Saints, they they just know how to win these games. So that's the bold prediction. None of these teams will score more than 14 points. And this, yeah, that's it. I, I just don't want to go any further than that because I'd be that's revealing fine. too much. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure I'm sure we'll find out in like literally three minutes what you're going for <laughs> here. I can read between the lines. I'm wondering if that's even a bold prediction looking at both of these teams, to be honest, Nick. Uh, so for me, my bold prediction, no sacks allowed for the Bears this week. How about that? Mm, it's unrealistic. Uh, no, bold prediction. I've had way crazier <laughs> ones than that this season. Well, maybe not, this... which is sad. Yeah. <laughs> You're you in those awkward yeahs and moments I'm sorry. Today. Yeah. You good? A, yeah. You good? You salty? I'm good. I whatever that actually means to Matt Nagy. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess salty in what people actually know what that means, but not the other way. I don't know what Matt Nagy's thinking. All right. Uh MVB at the end of the day, Nick, uh who's going to be the MVB? I got two options here. I may end up going with both depending on your answer. So who's going to be your MVB prediction? Yeah, so I think it's definitely going to be somebody on the defensive side of the ball with, you know, predicting that it's going to be a low-scoring game. I'll give it to Kyle Fuller. I think he'll do enough in terms of trying to stop Michael Thomas, um but that it has to be someone on the on the defensive side cuz that's that's the bright side of this Bears team, and I don't know if the Bears can really do anything offensively to these Saints right now. All right, I'll go with both of mine. I'm actually going both offense, which is crazy for me. Number one, Allen Robinson, right? He's been the most consistent, uh, one of the most consistent wideouts in the entire league this season. I think that's going to hold true this week. He'll lead the team in targets. He'll lead the team in catches. He'll lead the team in receiving guards. He'll find the end zone once, and he'll catch, i say, about six passes that are going to move the sticks. So that will make him MVP worthy. Additionally, MVB at the end of the day, Matt Nagy. You talked about it, Nick. And that's why I'm surprised you didn't go that way, and that's why I held off because I thought you may because he, too, he said it all begins with him. It all starts with him, and that's true, and we talked about this on this podcast. He needs to do not just call better plays um, but have a better game plan overall, better game management as a head coach, and he's going up against Sean Payton who can outcoach some of the best coaches in this league. He is one of the best coaches in this league. There's a reason why this Saints team has found an identity throughout the fact that they, of course, still have no Drew Brees. And they've found ways to win without him. And it's like they have skip beats, but they still know how to win and close out games. Matt Nagy, he needs to be the MVP because he needs to find a way to outcoach Sean Payton when it's all said and done. That may end up being how this game kind of you know unfolds uh, really at the end of this thing. But for me, that's where I'm going. Game prediction time, Nick. Over to you. Or do you want me to go first since you felt like you already uh, kind of gave yours away a little bit? I'm, I'm capable of going first. I think the I think the Bears are going to lose this game against the Saints. And although the score may be closer than what it seems, it's going to be a Saints where they just come out and dominate. You talked about either Sean Payne or Matt Nagy. That goes to Sean Payne every single time. He has the experience, has beaten some of the best coaches in the league already. And look, the Saints have scored less than 14 points twice this season against Dallas, against Jacksonville. They won both those games. And look, the offense hasn't been the same, but they have been reliant on their defense and special teams to win games. And right now, before the season, and this is um, credit athletic writer Jeff Duncan who pulled up the stats, before the season, New Orleans had won just one game in 18 games in which they scored 13 or less points. So they're finding new ways to win. And with this Bears offense and how it's been playing and what this 
Saints defense brings to the table, I just don't see it happening, Will. I really don't. So that's why I have the Saints 13, Bears 3. They don't get it fixed this week. This just wasn't the opponent that the Bears had to face to get things right. And it's tough for me to say, of course I want the Bears to win. This is not me, like, abandoning the Bears. This is just a very, very tough opponent for the Chicago Bears this week. I know they're at home. They're a different team. But unless they dramatically do things differently on offense, they're not going to win this game. So I have the Saints 13-3. All right, 13-3. to Wow, that's convincing. Uh, one second, I am finishing up a job opening for a co-host as you're now fired Ooh. since you went oh, against the Bears. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> no, I just saw that in the chat uh, from Travis. Like, Nick, you're fired. <laughs> I was like, well, maybe, maybe. We'll talk about it after the show, what kind of penalty this may end up needing. No, I'm giving you a hard time. Uh, but for me, it was interesting. Your bold prediction falls into my final score. Neither team I have have uh, scored more than two touchdowns. But I do have a team kicking a field goal. And I have the Bears winning this thing 17-14. to 14. I think the defense does enough to hold the Saints to a beatable two-touchdown margin. Uh, the offense, they're going to show some promise. They're going to not put it all together this week, but they're going to show some steps forward. And I believe when it's all said and done, the Bears know that this is a week where they need to win. And I think they need to do it to, A, prove to the NFL they can beat good teams. Uh, secondly, for themselves, so they know they can beat good teams. And honestly, Nick, they need to win because the division is very tough. And we talked about it in the bye week. They need a really good record, even for hopefully a chance at a wild card if we're going to start to look big picture here. So for me, beating the Saints is a game that the Bears must find a way to do. I believe they have enough to do it. Uh, so for me, Bears 17, Saints 14. But I'll let you know how confident I am because now it's time for our confidence meter and final thought. I'm at a 6.2, and that's pretty low for me. I usually don't go anything lower than a 7 if I had to go back and check my own notes. But to me, again, Bears are coming off the bye. There's a ton of what we need to see improvement on the offense. I expect to see some signs that we're trending in the right direction. But this is not going to be a game that I'm going to go like, you know, Wow, like at the end of it, unless there's some crazy things going on because it's a Bears game and that tends to happen. Um, but New Orleans, you mentioned, we mentioned, this has been the whole show. They're a very, very good football team. They know how to play complementary football. They're hard to force into turnovers on offense. So the Bears are not going to get many extra possessions, but the Bears also on defense do have that knack of getting takeaways. So we'll see which way kind of, uh, you know, which side outweighs the other here when it's all said and done. But again, this is a game they must win to get the season back on track. So for me, um, over a five, which means I'm, I believe they're going to get it done, but it's not going to be an easy task. So for me, 6.2 is where I kind of lie. What about you, Nick? You don't have them winning. So I've wondered, and it was what, 13 to three. So is your confidence like a three? Yeah. Like does my, is my confidence high that they won't win or like, how no, do I go about I, so the confidence low. meter is 10. You're going to win. And remember, Nick, remember what you did heading into Oakland. What'd I do? Oh yeah. Give it I a did. 10. You gave it a 10, your first ever 10. My fault. It (laughs) is all your fault. We can blame it all on me. No, uh, then, yeah, I think a three would be right. I mean, look, last time Mitch came off an injury, remember the first game was against the Rams. They scored 15 points in that game, and the touchdown came from Bradley Sal. So they weren't very good. And to think they're going to be good against – and the Rams defense wasn't – it was Aaron Donald and a bunch of names, right? So it wasn't very good. This is a legit defense with the New Orleans Saints. So – I, of course I want the Bears to win. My week is better when the Bears win. I just don't know if it happens this week. So, yeah, three is about where I have them pegged. And prove me – please, please prove me wrong because I would love for the Bears to win and 
you know, to be just that much closer in this NFC North race. Green Bay is playing very well, and they need this. A, look, it's a tough, tough uh, road ahead. New Orleans, Chargers, Philadelphia, then the Detroit, right? So it, it gets tougher from here. But yeah, they. I hope they win, but I just don't see it happening. Green Bay is playing well. Their twelfth man, the refereeing unit, playing very well as well. I know we'd even go all show and talk about that. <laughs> you got a little heated as soon as I mentioned it, too. And now we have to wrap it up. <laughs> Shoot. All right. Well, I just want to thank everyone for tuning in to this episode. Again, I hope that you enjoyed our weekly game preview. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, make sure to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. If you're on YouTube, definitely subscribe to the channel. That way you can keep up to us all season long. Really appreciate everyone who has. I think we're getting close to about six thousand people who have uh, subscribed to us on YouTube. And Nick, I told you up front live. We're only a few weeks away where I envision we're going to break 3 million downloads of our podcast, which is incredible. We really do appreciate each and every one of you for, you know, if this is your first ever time listening or you've been here for years, we really do appreciate you all. Uh, Don't forget, up next, Will Ingalls will have his five matchups episode. It's going to follow this one. And Nick and I, we're going to return on Sunday afternoon for that Bears Saints postgame show. Have a great weekend. But until Sunday, bear down, Chicago. And we're back with breaking news. Coke Zero Sugar might be the best Coke ever. That's right, Jim. Make sure to... Jim. Ooh, yes, this tastes like the best Coke ever to me. We're on the air. I need to try it first. With Zero Sugar and refreshingly delicious, is Coca-Cola Zero Sugar the best Coke ever? Pick some up at Hy-Vee today.